You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dad app. Um, I think today I'm going to try to see if I can do a podcast while I'm napping. I don't know if it's possible, but my brain kind of just rambles on its own anyways, so I'm going to try to doze off and see what uh, what will happen here. No, I'm... I'm, I'm kidding that's that's me prefacing the part where I tell you this is probably going to be a little bit of a short episode because not only did I oversleep a little bit but I woke up and instead of going oh no I need to run and do the podcast I said I don't even care don't even care nope and then I was just like a rebellious kid refusing to hurry as I get my coffee like oh maybe I'm gonna check Facebook for some random reason and just stand here instead of just getting my coffee and going downstairs because I'm not happy so, I lost a half hour because I overslept, and I officially lost another half hour because, you know, so tired. Another thing that you don't care about, I'll be going to Florida in about three weeks, and I'm only telling you that because I want to say it out loud to give myself motivation to please hurry up. Rest is coming. It's coming. I swear, please just go. It's coming. All right. So, today, um, I'm actually, it's kind of weird that I haven't done this yet kind of circling back to the draft, and we can do this from several different angles and with a daily podcast, probably should, but today is just PFF day. I was kind of thinking about it. I saw, you know, I went to Packernet, like, all right, what are we doing today? And at the top, it was talking about what PFF had to say about somebody. I don't know. And I was like, I don't think I even really went into depth with what Pro Football Focus had to say about our new draft picks. That's crazy. As lame as it is, I'm basically the PFF guy don't want to be it's just I use them a lot feel like they should be paying me but that's fine I'll, I'll pay them to be their sponsor but um yeah I haven't really talked about it so I'm, I'm kind of excited and uh get some in-depth look and a little bit of in-depth stats into uh the newest Green Bay Packers by the way if you're new here another hobby of mine is making up accents that don't exist anywhere in the world try to find that one on a map it's like Russian Chinese-ish Anywho, let's move on. Uh, big thank you to David for jumping in on Patreon. I really, really do appreciate it. I am doing everything I can to restrain myself from spending a lot of money uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff I want to do and get to help this podcast. But, I mean, I, I have been, I've been saving this money, and I need to save the money because I've got a lot of expenses that come up, and they all kind of hit at once right around the football season when I decide, hey, I need to pay for Pro Football Focus. I need to pay for Game Pass. I need this and that. But there's other little upgrades I'd like to make, but it's like, I, I'm just, it's hard, man. You gotta, you, you know, I want to respect the donations. I don't want to be like, hey, maybe I'll buy myself, like, two computer monitors and I'll do, like, triple monitor station and buy a video game so I can podcast and, and you know, play 
Civ 19 at the same time or whatever's going on. But anyways, it's greatly appreciated. And uh, if you'd like to support the show, I would appreciate that. Uh, jumping on patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I promise I'll take care of your money. And eventually I'll find something awesome to spend it on that will benefit you folks. And I will do such a thing. I just don't know what that's going to be. Other ways to support the show, PayPal, Venmo, and especially the biggest thing you could do is leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for the Packernet Podcast. Again, a reminder, the green and yellow striped shield is not my show. Yes, I know it's called the Packernet Podcast. Yes, I know you can listen to my podcast on there, but the reason you're listening to a bunch of other podcasts as well as mine is because it's not my podcast. It is a podcast aggregation compliment of Packernet.com that also happens to play my podcast on it. If you would like to help my show, go to Google, type in Packernet Podcast iTunes, and it will be the first one that pops up. It is a black uh, logo that says Pack Daddy on it. No big deal if you left one for the green and yellow thing. Just, you know, jump on over and, and, and leave one for me as well. That would be fantastic. And then send me a screenshot, and I will add you into the competition for a free PFF giveaway. Speaking of... If you're planning on buying a PFF subscription, and I will be hitting this hard as we get closer to the season, because I know some of you folks will be looking to invest in that. If you wouldn't mind using my affiliate link uh, in the description, that would be fantastical. Ways that you can benefit yourself. I got some merch in there. Buy yourself a sweet t-shirt, hoodie, koozie, long sleeve shirt. I'm not sure what else uh, Miss Courtney can do. She's the one handling all, all that side of the business, but she's pretty flexible, so I'll, I'll, I'll just throw it out there as much as I don't want to put too much on her plate these are basically custom t-shirts i don't believe they say it but the one she sent me on the back it says you don't know my truth which is the most awesome thing ever if you want like a minor tweak i've had several people in the facebook group saying hey can you just do the logo hey can you do like a a tank top because i'm out in california and i want to like flex a lot and stuff the answer has pretty much always been yes so if you want something cool jump in the facebook group I mean, I, 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 look, if you just wanted to say Packers, I, I couldn't care less. Just go in there and be like, hey, can I just get a shirt that says Packers? Whatever. But uh, you're going to have to get in the Facebook group if you want to start making uh, specific requests. So be sure you do both at the same time. And then uh, NFLBigBoard.com is also a big benefit to you as well. Otherwise, text or call 608-501-0718. All right, we'll take a break, and we will jump into Pro Football Focus's view on the Green Bay Packers. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So first of all, uh, we'll look at their top 250 big board just to get an overall idea of how they had everybody ranked. First of all, I could go in their order, but we'll go in the right order and just see how it goes. They had Rashawn Gary not super high. They had him 48th overall. Not a su- See, this is pretty common. It's common among a lot of Packers fans, and I got... Uh, basically a comment that I'll probably get to tomorrow about not being super thrilled. I get that. And it's definitely, even when I go back and watch and can appreciate a lot of the good things that he does, there's still a part of me that goes, I don't know if this is going to work out super good. And the, the, the obvious 
fact of the matter is nobody knows. Right, this is sort of a, a high-risk, high-upside kind of situation. But they had him 48th overall. Now, the bad news there is that uh, obviously that would make him a second-round value. The good news is PFF still believes that we got two first-round guys. I shouldn't say that definitively, but two guys in the top 32. And it's actually in complete opposite order. They had Mr. Elton Jenkins center out of Mississippi State as their 26th highest-graded prospect. They had Mr. Darnell Savage as their 28th overall prospect. So 26th and 28th, meaning the Packers got two first-round prospects. I'd be interested to see if anybody else got two. I saw it was probably, well, Seattle got DK Metcalf, who they had 17th, but they also took LJ Collier in the first round, who they had a second-round grade on. So not so much there. I don't know. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm just wondering, because it's pretty sweet the Packers got two, although they had two picks, so that's kind of expected. Mr. Jay Sternberger, they had 67th overall. We got him 75th, so pretty good value there. Kingsley Kiki, they had 99th. We got him at 150. So basically, so far, they're not super thrilled with Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage's value, although Darnell Savage is close. But we got a steal with Elton Jenkins. We got great value on Jay Sternberger, and we stole Kingsley Kiki. This according to PFF. It gets significantly worse after that because Kadar Holman um, was not in their top 250. And actually, there's not a ton of information that I can get on Mr. Kadar Holman because, you know, he doesn't have his own whole massive profile thing. Dexter Williams, they had at 177. We got him at 194, which seems like pretty close numbers, but we're talking, I don't know, a half a round. So still early. And then again, Ty Summers was not on the top 250. So he does not have his own profile, and um, according to them, was not a great value. So via PFF, Elton Jenkins, Jay Sternberger, Kingsley Kiki, and Dexter Williams, we all got uh, earlier than they thought. um, I'm sorry, we got them later than they thought at a better value uh, than they had them at. Good value. We'll just say good value. As we go a little further down, they've got a couple little blurbs here, and they talk about the defensive interior, and they did mention that Rashawn Gary and Ed Oliver are the two biggest boomer bust prospects, meaning they do acknowledge that although they had him at 48, obviously there's a very good possibility that it could be one of the better players in the draft. They just seem to be betting on uh, not so much, I guess. There was also a little blurb about him. He was the eighth, um, eighth highest graded pass rusher out of 15, which obviously isn't very good. He had Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Chase Winovich, Cleveland Furl, Zach Allen, and Montez Sweat above him. And it says, Gary's production has yet to catch up to his freakish athleticism. He earned a 68.3 pass rushing grade this season, which is a terrible grade. Now, again, how PFF grades compared to, um, I guess, in a sense, reality is, is kind of hard to... Because, I mean, the reality is, as somebody that's tried to grade for PFF as well as tried to grade on my own, and, and by the way, if this ever becomes a full-time gig, I will be grading the Green Bay Packers would be a lot of fun. I just It takes a massive amount of time. But I can tell you there are certain things that are just impossible and come down to judgment. And if you watch Rashawn Gary on most plays, and you can see this on Twitter with battles all the time, make it sound so epic with the battles, with um, catty arguments, is that you can, you can make a positive and negative case for almost every play. Because the play is probably not going to end in something awesome, like a tackle for a loss or a sack, right? His production was low. But there's nuanced goodness in a lot of that stuff 
But look at how he does. It, it was it was kind of the same with Devin Bush, to be honest. And everybody loved Devin Bush. Not that his production was bad, but it was it was a lot of the little stuff and like being in the right place at the right time type stuff that would made him as good as he was. But anyways, uh, one of the real good attributes, and I had mentioned Montez Sweat and how good he was against the run. If you look at the run stop percentage, which I mentioned, is a you know a metric that says how many times did you cause basically a negative play for the offense. Montez Sweat was number one, Chase Winovich number two, uh, then you had Parker Hesse, Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, Jamel Garcia-Williams, and then Rashawn Gary. Now this isn't a list out of ten, this is a list out of several hundred. That's why there were names that nobody's ever heard before. So he was very, very good in this, and it's it's not just like tackling. Right? There's a lot of linebackers that get a lot of tackles that aren't really getting very good metrics in this category because they're chasing people down from behind, because they're getting knocked backwards. Rashawn Gary, when he makes a play, it's a high-impact play. 9.88% of his 162 total run defense snaps were um, basically disruptive plays, and that says a lot considering it's a guy who got run away from all the time. So that just goes to show you, I mean, imagine what it would be if they showed the metric of every time he got run, you know, in other words, disregard all the times he had no ability to make a play, what would his metric be? Probably north of 50%. So that's definitely something, he's he's just a a disruptive player. But anyways, looking at his profile now, uh, they gave him an 80.4 grade, which isn't bad. 80 is very good. If you look at his little spider chart, it was actually pretty solid. The only one metric that was below the draft class average was sack conversion rate. Tackling efficiency percentage, pass rush productivity, total pressure percentage, run stop percentage, run defense grade, uh, pass rush grade, and overall grade were all above average. They credited him with four sacks, six QB hits, and 14 hurries. That puts him at uh, 13.87, we'll call it 14% pass rush percentage, which is solid. Now, in college, it's not quite as good, but if he can translate that into the NFL and and carry over. I mean, if if he's at 14% in the NFL, he's the number one pass rusher on the Packers team. Again, I think number one was Mike Daniels at about 13-ish. I think Kenny Clark is like, I I don't know, maybe 12-ish, 13-ish. And then Preston and Zadarius are both in like the 12-ish range. So I I have no idea what he's going to be able to do in the NFL. But what he did in college, as much as everybody's disparaging it, it's, it's, again, if he can do that in the NFL, it's, it's incredible. It's a great number. I think Khalil Mack was like 14%. In 2017, by the way, he was at 14.66. So still not super elite among college pass rushers, but a, a, a still a solid grade. Uh, some other numbers, uh, 24 solo tackles, 9 assisted tackles, 4 missed tackles, 21 total stops. If we look at his three-year path, the cool thing about him, if you look overall, and there's some fluctuation among you know pass rush, run defense, and coverage, but overall, his grades went from 71.3, 77.5 to 80.4. So he's he's just he's getting better, and that that makes sense because again, the production clearly doesn't match the ability. So the Packers believe, probably rightly so, because remember, we not only have a great defensive line coach who's going to be able to get his hands on this guy, which is awesome because that's the other thing with these hybrid guys, they've got a lot of coaches. They're going to have a fa- he's going to have a fantastic defensive line coach. But he's also going to have our brand new uh, outside linebacker coach who turned Justin Houston and D. Ford into superstars, coaching this guy up, trying to get him to unleash that crazy potential. And I, I mentioned that on Twitter. I don't think I said it on here, but I saw like twice in a row uh, two different people comparing him to Jadavian Clowney. If this guy can be Jadavian Clowney, even though I was somewhat disappointed that Jadavian Clowney didn't really 
live up to what I was hoping he would be, he's still amazing. I mean, the only reason I was disappointed with Jadavian Clowney is because I thought he was going to be the greatest pass rusher in the NFL by a long shot. He's not that. But for Rashawn Gary to be there, everybody would be very impressed by that. Maybe one of the best run-defending outside linebackers in the NFL, and he's a very good pass rusher as well. That would be crazy. But anyways, uh, again, I mentioned his pass rush grade was 68.3. The year prior, it was 72.7, so it it went up to 72.7 and then back down. Coverage, I don't think, is ever really going to be something he's going to excel at. I, I don't know that. It just doesn't seem like something he would be good at. Hopefully I'm wrong. I don't know, but he was 57, 67, and 66, so bad, average, average. And then his run defense is what really took off. 75.5 is good. 76.7 is good. This past year, 83.2. So that really took a jump. And again, it really just comes down to the guy has all the physical attributes you could ever want. It's just something just clicked, right? He just kind of got it and suddenly was dominant in it. And as I mentioned, outside of Montez Sweat, there weren't too many top prospects that you knew of that were any better at uh, you know, disrupting the run game. Finally, looking at uh, some of these advanced stats, pass rush productivity overall, he ranked 36th. Run stop percentage, as I said, he was 7th. And then looking at his, his pressures here, just to give us a little bit more insight into what he excels at and doesn't, his worst ability to generate pressure was his bull rush, which I think maybe part of the problem is that was one of his biggest things. And I think it might work to our advantage to be able to use him a little bit more on, on different kinds of things. But his bull rush pressures, uh, he ranked 94th. Outside pressure, which, you know, is him trying to run around people, he ranked 63rd. Inside pressure, he ranked 38th. Suddenly not so bad. Hilariously, his, his number was actually the exact same as outside pressure because for most people, in other words, his stat was the same, but his rank was higher because for most people, outside pressure is easier. Right? You get a lot of these speed bend guys, and they're just really good at running around people, but that's about it. Rashawn's a different animal. So he's as good rushing inside as he is outside, and that gives him a better rank as an inside rusher. The only thing he kind of struggled with was his bull rush pressure, but he has enough speed and power to be able to make that work as well. So again, there's nothing the man can't do. It's just a matter of please, please help to unleash it. Really, really hope between Pettin and Smith and uh, Montgomery, they can make something work. And that, it's actually a really... It's almost as if I forget, because we talk about 2019, I talk about 2019 as though 2018 is going to be, one more attempt at this. I talk about 2019 as though it's going to be the same as 2018, but our corners who haven't exactly lived up to what I had hoped are getting new coaches. Jason Simmons is our new defensive back coach. So our two new safeties, um, obviously, are going to add a different dimension, but Josh Jones, who I really hope can take a leap has already learned from the guys that we had, and now he's got a brand new coach that's going to teach him some stuff. Kevin King, who I feel like throwing in the towel for, is getting a brand new coach. Josh Jones is getting a brand new coach. Jair, who's already pretty good um, and hopefully will be getting better, has a new coach, right? New outside linebacker coach, which we already have new players anyways, but inside linebackers, Kirk Olvadati, right? It's like, oh, I already know what Blake Martinez is and Oren Burks. I don't know. We'll see. Dude, new coach. Whole new world of possibilities. And the, the, the kind of cool thing about it, going on a completely random rant here, and I, I'll, I'll rein it in pretty quick because we actually have to hurry because I forgot that I don't have a lot of time. But not only did Mike pay, it was kind of similar to when we had a new GM and he just kind of picked up the pieces and tried to run with it in 2018. But then he slowly kind of got to do his own thing and, and hire some of his own 
you know, I guess he didn't really hire a lot of new people. He got one new guy, but he kind of was able to run his own process entirely this year. Mike Pettin came in and worked with our old coaches and our old team and tried to make it work. And now, thanks to our, our GM and, and uh, well, we'll just say the GM, a lot of the defensive coaches are gone, and Mike Pettin gets to hire a brand-new staff that he thinks is going to better equip you know, the team to run his defense as well as overhauling the D. So we get brand new players and a brand new coaching staff. And it's a bunch of guys that, it, although Mike Pettin wasn't the guy directly hiring, I I feel very confident that he's the one approving every single one of these guys. Because Mike Pettin had a bunch of Dom Capers, Ted Thompson players, and a bunch of Dom Capers coaches. So, yeah, whole, whole big reason to get excited there. Anyways, we'll take a break and uh, jump back into Darnell Savage. All right, so I already mentioned where he was on the big board. They had him as the number two overall safety behind Nasir Adderley, which is pretty awesome. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I, I don't disagree with the number two overall. I do disagree with the Nasir Adderley being number one. Although I do acknowledge that Nasir Adderley has that same ability that Darnell does at being, you know, the upside being sort of like an Earl Thomas type. Because he can fly around just like Darnell did. I just, I didn't get like that super excited feeling watching Nasir like I did watching Darnell because... Although he's fast, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Didn't have to watch Darnell very long to just, you know, jaw on the floor kind of thing. But whatever. Maybe I'm I'm not biased because I, whatever. Here's their little blurb about him. Savage has back-to-back seasons with grades over 86 overall. He's a missile around the line of scrimmage laying some impressive hits. Um, I'll get into the overall stats, but whenever it's kind of high, I like to, you know, kind of throw it out there. Uh, looking at coverage. Nasir Adderley, number one. Garrett Taylor, number two. Taylor Rapp, the guy, other guy I really liked, was number three, believe it or not. Jake Gervais, and then Kennedy Naduque, and then Darnell Savage. Again, lots of guys. We're talking several hundred different prospects. More than 250. And he's the seventh guy on this list. So I guess I'll just read across here. 314 snaps, 49 targets, 28 receptions. 57% completion percentage. 239 yards is relatively high, but zero touchdowns, four interceptions, four forced incompletions, 8.16% forced incompletion percentage, a passer rating of 36, and only 8.5 yards per reception. Nasir Adderley, by the way, got to give him a lot of credit, passer rating supposedly (laughs) of 1.3. 23 targets, seven receptions, Four interceptions, eight forced incompletions is Nasir Adderley. That's crazy impressive. But anyways, I, I got to, you know, I don't know. I love pro football focus, but I feel like they're a little disorganized. And I think they've got a massive thing. I'm in their uh, PFF Elite Facebook group, and it's just a lot of people complaining, and I kind of feel bad for them. But there's little things that are just like, what are you talking it's, it's sort of like watching the, the, I don't know if I've said this before. I've probably said it 19 times because I repeat myself a lot. But I feel like a crazy person sometimes, and it makes me irate when I watch the weather on television, which I don't do much anymore, but I have in the past. Am I the only one that's ever noticed that there are times when they'll say something like, today, a high of 65 and a low of 55. And on the TV, 
It says it's 51 degrees. How are you that bad at your job that you're telling me the lowest it's going to get today is 55 and your little little thing at the bottom right of the screen says it's 51? Just, just, how? How? That's kind of the situation here. Their one blurb about him is that he's had back-to-back seasons of over 86. His grade this year, 85.1. So, I don't know. It probably changed over the course of time and they didn't change their blurb. I'm not sure. Or somebody just can't, uh, you know, read good. And numbers are, are one of the easiest things to read. I know, because I got little kids, and they, they learn numbers and then, then words. So, I don't know. It can be tricky sometimes. But anyways, one of the really cool things about Mr. Darnell Savage, if you look at his overall grades, and he played for four years, his first year, 54.7. Not good. His second year, 59.9. Not super good. Second year, 86.6, and then 85.1 this year. Crazy. Um, his pass rush grades have never been that good in his second year, 70.5, but then 54.3 and 56.1. Run defense, he was basically average for about three years, and then boom, 80.4. So that's that's something else the Packers are real into is guys that are, like, ascending, right? We've, we've talked about Rashawn Gary is ascending. Um, Darnell Savage, I don't know if you'd necessarily call it ascending, but he's just, it's like something just clicked last couple years. And if you look at, again, run defense, it clicked this last year. So I don't know if there's more room to grow, but I don't need him to grow. I just want him to be the same guy he was in college, and I am beyond happy because that guy was awesome. And then you look at coverage, it's a very similar thing. Two years where he was really bad, and then 89.9 and 86.1. Maybe that's what they meant, is, or maybe that's maybe maybe I can't read, and it said oh, coverage grade because 86.1 was this past year's coverage grade, and then 89.9 was last year's coverage grade, which was basically elite. Another metric that is extremely high, he had 25 stops. Now, again, a stop is usually something that you're getting when you're close to the line of scrimmage because, for example, on first down, getting less than four yards, on you know third and fourth down, preventing a first down. These are things you need to be close to the line of scrimmage to do. Linebackers, defensive tackles, defensive ends, outside line, whatever, these are the guys that are close enough to the line of scrimmage to make these things happen. For a safety to have 25 is really, really high. He had 51 total. He had 14 in 2016, he had 10 in 2017, he had 25 in 2018. So, you know, when we talk about playmaker, yes, big-time playmaker. And not just, and it, a lot of that, again, is speed. How do you make a play that close to the line of scrimmage when you're playing back? Even if you're playing, you know, kind of close to the box or in the box, you still have to be fast enough to get down there so that they can't get those three yards, four yards, whatever. And that's when you start to see all those tackles for loss and, just good tackling also is going to contribute to that. So really, really excited. I'm, I'm beyond excited for this guy. Uh, looking at his spider chart, he had a couple that were at or below the average. Yards per coverage snap was at. First down percentage was below. Coverage snaps per target percentage, which sounds confusing, but write it down and think it over for a minute, was very, very, very low. Otherwise, everything else was really high, especially passer rating allowed was about to the about off the charts. Coverage grade was very high. Run defense grade was high. Overall grade was obviously very high. As far as advanced stats, yards per coverage snap, he was 87th. Coverage snaps per target, which isn't that big of a deal because being targeted isn't the worst thing. So kind of going in reverse order, how many times were you targeted per snap? He was 144th. Not the biggest deal. The question is, what about receptions? In other words, how many times did they actually catch it? He was 133rd, which also isn't great. But then you come to number three, which is, okay, Per coverage snap, how many yards did they get? And when that was 0.76, by the way, he ranked 87th. So 
So not super elite, but it keeps getting better. So he's, he's targeted kind of a lot, but as far as how many of those converted to receptions, it was sort of above average, and then how many yards per reception, it obviously got a lot, lot better. Uh, run stop percentage, he ranked 39th, and then tackling efficiency, he ranked 52nd. So that concludes our look at Mr. Darnell Savage. Uh, we're just going to roll right into uh, Mr. Elton Jenkins. Super exciting news here. Of their top 15 interior offensive linemen, Mr. Elton Jenkins ranked numero uno. And he is a really impressive guy. You've probably seen a few of these things on Twitter if you play on there ever once in a while, every once in a while or ever. But I have noticed um, if you look at his game against Alabama, he plays against Quinn and Williams. I, I told you this already, didn't I? Because I mentioned he did lose a few, but the ability to go one-on-one with Quinn and Williams and just lock him up is really, really awesome. But uh, here's what it says. Number one, Elton Jenkins, Mississippi State. It says the Mississippi State Center allowed all of five pressures this past season on 369 pass-blocking snaps. Period. End of story. So super, super exciting. Obviously, we heard about guys like Garrett Bradbury, Chris Lindstrom, Eric McCoy. But, um, you know, according to PFF, Elton Jenkins beats them all. Here's another little blurb about him. It seems like they've got several blurbs about him. But uh, Mississippi State center Elton Jenkins is our top interior line prospect and at the Senior Bowl looked far more comfortable when asked to play center than guard, which is not great, but we'll see what happens. They actually have, I've never seen this before, they added, they they broke down um, their Senior Bowl performance. Man, this is crazy. So percentage of times that he won. Looks like they asked him to play center as well as left guard. He played eight snaps at center and won 63% of the time. He played four snaps at left guard and won 25% of the time, which basic math tells me he won once and lost three times. Wins against uh, position. He won 63% of the time against nose tackles, and then again once out of four times against defensive tackles. Finally, wins and losses versus each kind of uh, pressure. He had two pressures on the inside. He lost both of those reps. He had two pressures on the outside. He won one and lost one. He had two pressures that were bull rush, and he won one and lost one. So that's kind of cool. Oh, and look at this. It tells you... (laughs) I didn't even need to look at that chart. Oh, this is crazy. So it tells you who he went up against. Get this. He went up against two guys. He went up against Dalen Mack six times, who I really like. This This is awesome. That's why you listen to the Packernet Podcast, man. He went up against Dalen Mack six times. His win percentage was 33%. They gave him a minus three grade, meaning he won two and lost four. He went up against Dontavius Russell four times. He won all four times. Then he went up against this other guy and lost two times. Guess who the other guy was? Kingsley Kiki. That's crazy. He got lined up with three guys at the Senior Bowl, and uh, one of those guys was Kingsley Kiki, and Kingsley Kiki beat him twice. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because it feels kind of like in preseason, there's the question that I always ask, should we be excited or upset about that? I'm sorry, not preseason, but uh, in, in like training camp or whatever. When it, whenever it's Packers versus Packers, it's like, yeah, touchdown. Oh, wait, the corners are bad. It's like, yeah, pick. And it's like, wait, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? So this is one of those things where it's like, dude, Kingsley Kiki just beat Elton Jenkins, and Elton Jenkins is awesome. Oh, wait, what if that means Elton Jenkins is bad? I don't, I don't know. But I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think that's kind of cool. Anyways, Elton Jenkins' overall grade was a 77.6. I know that doesn't sound great, but, you know, again, solid. The only negative grade, it shouldn't even, not even a negative grade, the only below average grade that he had on his spider chart was his screen block grade. Everything else, run block, pass block, uh, avoid negative run, positive penalties, total pressure, pass blocking efficiency was all very high. Uh, looking at his overall grade, it's been very consistent. So this isn't a guy that's peaked. Um, he did kind of go down in his third year, so it kind of looks like a peak. 
but his grades were 73, 72, 66, and 77. Pass blocking grade, he's kind of volatile. 64, 88, 61, 83. Again, you can call it a spike if you want, but it's just kind of a weird thing. And then his run blocking grade, actually very similar. His, his rookie year, 77.9, then 67, 66, and then 73. So again, that last year is a spike, but there's always another year that was also high or even higher. But whatever. Best overall year was this past year for sure. And I'm okay. Listen, at some point I'm okay with consistency. I get a little scared when guys like peak. And I talked about it with, with uh, the two Smith guys where it's like, oh yeah, they just had one good year. And it's like, yeah, well, we've played that game before. It doesn't mean that suddenly they're really good and good forever, right? Nick Perry was suddenly good. And then turns out it was just that one year he was good and he was never good again. So I'm okay if we get a guy that's like, oh, he's just pretty good every year. No, that's perfect. Thank you. But uh, looking at his stats, 773 snaps, a lot of snaps, 351 pass blocking snaps, 399 run blocking snaps, only one penalty, only one sack, only four hurries. He was 10th overall in his pass blocking efficiency, 15th overall in run block success percentage, didn't have any inside pressures, which makes sense because he's a center, it's hard to get inside of the center. But he was 17th in outside pressure and 17th in bull rush pressure, which is awesome. I mean, his, his, his worst stat is 17th out of, I don't know, a hundred interior guys, maybe? Several dozen? I, I don't know how many there are. But he is top 20 in every... Again, just solid across every metric. He's not bad in any one thing that I can find. Again, with the one exception possibly being his screen blocking. So, pretty awesome. All right, I'm going to do um, our final break, and then we're going to do speed round. Probably spend most of our time on uh, on Jason uh, and Kingsley. But we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I mentioned where Jay Sternberger was. There's a little blurb here if you look at the 2019 tight end class overview. About halfway through this paragraph, it says, Don't sleep on Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M, who posted the nation's highest receiving grade last season, as well as Caleb Wilson, blah, blah, blah. But as I mentioned, they maybe didn't have him as the highest tight end in the class, but again, another sleeper potential type guy. Um, Overall, they had him third, and here's what they had to say about him. Jay Sternberger might not have the size or athleticism of of others in this class, but all he did was produce. He had the highest receiving grade of any tight end in the country for the 19th time. So his overall grade here was 85.1. His two uh, below average grades on the spider chart, first down conversion percentage, which really isn't entirely up to him, you know what I mean? Depends what he was asked to do. It depends what the quarterback decided to do. I don't know, but whatever. And then his run blocking grade. And even that, as much as he's seen as a, a negative blocker um it's not that low it's pretty close to average so i mean you know he's not going to be the greatest blocker in the world but he's not as bad as i don't think everybody's trying to make him out to be but let's get specific with it run blocking grade 56.8 again 60 is average so 56.8 basically would put him on par with the rest of our packers blockers including mercedes last year who just for some reason doesn't know how to block Pass blocking grade, 65.5, so just slightly above average, right? And then if you go two years ago, and is a pre- presumably sophomore rookie year, I don't know what year it was, 72.7 pass blocking grade. So he was actually decent at it. And as I mentioned, he takes it pretty seriously. And then you look at his receiving grade, 91.1 elite. Um, his stats, 846 snaps, 
49 receptions, 836 yards, 405 yards after the catch. So about half of his yards came after the catch. 8.3 yards after the catch per completion, 17.1 yards per completion, which is crazy. 10.3 yards per target, 10 touchdowns, and three drops. Um, His advanced metrics going in reverse order, 35th in his slot yards. He only had 51, so not used in that capacity quite as much. Uh, Next, he was tied in slot receptions at 6 and deep pass catch rate at 46.7. Again, he was 25th in the nation on that. His drop rate, he ranked 20th, which isn't bad at 5.8%. Yards per route run, he ranked 8th, 2.01 yards for every route he ran. He was 3rd in the nation in deep pass yards and ranked number 1 in the nation in deep pass uh, receptions, which are 20 or more yards. He had seven deep pass receptions. So, I mean, it, it kind of gets you excited to see what he, I mean, he's just, he's a good receiver. And again, he just produces a lot. So anyways, again, speed round, let's move on to Kingsley Kiki here. They had him graded as the 10th highest graded uh, interior defender. It says Kiki was played a bit out of position at A&M and should kick inside in the league. He dominated rushing from the interior at the senior bowl, as we kind of heard. But let's take a quick look at that. So his overall win percentage out of 14 snaps at the Senior Bowl was 86%. He had 14 snaps. He played all 14 at defensive tackle, none at nose, none at defensive end. He had an 80% um, success rate rushing inside, 80% success rate rushing outside, and a 100% success rate with his bowl rush. Uh, He won 100% of the time against the left guard, 75% against the right guard. And then the guys that he went up against... By the way, all of those, just in case you were dying to know, were from the three-point stance, no two-point stance from the inside. Why would that ever happen? I don't know, but it's a stat, so I'm going to read it. But uh, Javon Patterson, Ben Powers, who is a pretty big name, Elton Jenkins, obviously, and then Drew Samia. The only guy that was able to beat him was Ben Powers, and he went 50% against Ben Powers, but he beat Javon Patterson 100% of the time, twice out of twice, Elton Jenkins two out of two times. He beat Drew Samia six times out of six times. So pretty fantastic. Uh, Kingsley Kiki had an 80.1 overall grade. So, I mean, if, if you look at the grade, it's we, we think about him as like a late-round guy, but he produced about as well as anybody else. Uh, spider chart, the only two that were below average pass rush productivity and run stop percentage. Uh, total pressure percentage and run defense grade were the two highest. Uh, His pass rush grade, 66.2, which is kind of average. His run defense grade, 86.7, incredibly high. And remember, they said he played out of position because he did take a lot of snaps at defensive end. And remember, the Packers had said that they can put him kind of anywhere. And uh, so there might be a little bit of him playing defensive end, but I do think it's going to be true that he will play primarily along the interior. Um, And he had a coverage grade of 62.7, which nobody should care about. But if you were curious, there you go. He had, out of 409 pass rush snaps, 6 sacks, 5 hits, and 20 hurries. Unfortunately, that's only Uh, 7.58%, which is a very low number. But again, hopefully he can can amp that up. But either way, it seemingly is, it seems as though he's going to be a better run defender than uh, pass defender, pass rusher. I don't know, we'll see. Again, that's why I came to that conclusion. Everybody got upset with me because they're like, oh no, he had 6 sacks. It's like, I know he had six sacks, but he had literally two times as many snaps as a pass rusher as our first round guy did. Now, you got to take snap. That's why I do the percentage thing. A guy who rushed the passer 200 times compared to the guy that rushed the passer 400 times kind of makes a big difference. Anyways, advanced stats. Again, we'll go in reverse order. Uh, Pass rush productivity, he ranked 115th, not great. Uh, Snaps uh, inside pressure, 115th. Uh, Snaps at outside pressure, 111th. 
snaps bull rush pressure 80 seconds so that's kind of his bread and butter apparently and then again his one stat that is good run stop percentage he was 16th in the nation so again for those of you wondering why i said he's a run defender and you know more of a run defender than a pass rusher that's all the information right there and it's not just pff subjective grades these are this is data this is stats the percentage that i gave you is a statistic the advanced stats are stats i'm actually not going to do kadar holman uh the reason being I've actually already done this. Because I didn't have him in my spreadsheet, I came to PFF and I read it to you. So in other words, there are no super advanced stats. There's just kind of his his numbers, and I already read that, so we're not going to do it again. Which means the last guy we are going to do is Dexter Williams. Uh, PFF graded him as the 15th um, highest graded running back out of 15 that they put on here. Obviously a lot more than 15, but he made the top 15. Their little blurb says, Williams averaged just 3.5 yards, 3.4 yards after contact per attempt, and 0.13 forced missed tackles per attempt, but he flashed high-end potential in bursts. So he also had some senior bowl stuff, uh, four snaps. They gave him a PFF grade of, well, it's one, but, you know, again, it's just a, a positive or a negative grade per play. Uh, 75% win percentage. I don't know. It's kind of kind of not as interesting. Anyways, 77.4 overall grade. The one, I mean, if you want to talk about going up, here's his, here's his run grade over four years, 59, 65, 75, 79. So he's definitely getting better as, as time goes on. Um, his receiving grade, 64, 52, 63, 59. So he's just kind of sitting in that average to below average range. And then as a pass blocker, his arrow is just going straight down. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't get, su- I'm not super excited about Dexter Williams. I think he'll be fine as a number three guy. He feels like, like I said, he, he kind of reminds me of Jamal Williams. I just like him slightly less than I like Jamal Williams coming out of college because Jamal Williams was a very violent football player. So I would say he's uh, slightly less athletic, at least I don't know his measurables necessarily compared to Jamal Williams, but just watching him play slightly less athletic, quite a bit less powerful running back. But, um, you know, glad to have him and all. Uh, Statistics, 158 attempts, 995 yards, 6.3 yards per carry, which is a great number. Uh, 550 yards after contact, 3.5 average. 97 yards is his longest, which is awesome. 457 speed is not blazing, but it's not terrible. He forced 20 missed tackles, had 12 touchdowns, and two fumbles. As far as advanced stats, uh, percentage not tackled on first contact, he ranked 73rd, which is whatever. His drop rate, as as in as a receiver, was 15.8. It's pretty high. He ranked 70th. Pass blocking efficiency, he ranked 60th. Yards per route run, 29th. His one solid stat, breakaway percentage, he ranked ninth in college football. 49.5% of the time, he had a breakaway run, which is pretty crazy. Obviously, even stats have some kind of big question marks. You know, offensive line plays into that, but whatever. Hopefully, the Packers will have a great offensive line, too, and he'll be getting plenty of breakaway runs for the Green Bay Packers. Um, As far as his spider charts, the last thing we'll look at is blocking grade, receiving grade, and elusiveness grade were all below average. The one uh, really high thing was his breakaway percentage so anyways there's a pff breakdown of most of the draft class otherwise you folks enjoy your thursday i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on.
That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.